All right, how are we doing? We're doing good? All right, sweet, sweet. Um, I'm Andy. I'm the director of Family Life here at River Glen, and excited to be up here this weekend talking about such an awesome topic of death. Um, but first, got some awesome news for you, uh, some Family Life news. Uh, we have made some changes to our staff recently, and we're excited because we brought on a new team member. Uh, we hired this week Elisa Schmidt as our children's director. Um, we're really excited about this. She's going to be in charge of our elementary ages and also our events and summer camps. Um, you can see she's going to fit right in, right, because we're kind of that kind of staff. Um, we're excited. She has a background in education, working at camps. She's very passionate about children, very passionate about Jesus, and so we're glad she's here. She's here this weekend, so you can go down to the Kid Life area, say hi, introduce yourself, and uh, let, her, let her feel welcome. Also, Sue Poser, who had been the assistant director at Kid Life, she has been holding down the fort with all of our leaders and our volunteers, doing a really good job while we've been uh, short-staffed. And she is going to be taking over as director of early childhood. Um, we're really excited about that because that's an area where she's very passionate about and we think she's going to do really well there. So go find her this weekend. Let her know she's done an awesome job and also just congratulate her on her new position. So that is Kid Life News. Real quick, just some student ministry stuff. Uh, if you were in here before, we had a video about winter camp. Winter camps are coming up. Middle schools is still a month away, but they are filling up. They, they may even be full. I'm not sure. So you got you to get your form in uh, as soon as possible. High school is next weekend. Um, we still have plenty of spots left for that. So if you could get your high schooler signed up in the next couple days, that'd be great. Uh, winter camp is a cool experience. It's a weekend away uh, to, to develop memories, to build relationships, to, to strengthen uh, their faith in God. And we have awesome speakers, awesome worship leaders at these camps. It's really cool. Students, let's just be honest. This is a weekend away from family, right? It's a weekend away from your parents. There's no rules. You can do whatever you want. No, I'm just kidding. There are some rules, but we still stay up late in the cabins. There's shenanigans, there's tobogganing, sledding, broom ball, all kinds of fun stuff, and they feed you ice cream all weekend long. Come on, sign up. I want to see you there. So that's it for student ministry. Um, all right, let's get into this weekend's topic. So we're in this series called Insomnia, looking at worries, fears, and things that can keep us up at night. And I thought, hey, why not, by, why not start by actually letting you into my world and letting you know what I'm afraid of and what has literally kept me up at night, okay? Now, you're probably thinking, Andy is afraid of things. He's always on stage, looking like a fool. I didn't know he was afraid of anything. Well, I am afraid of some things, mainly spiders, okay? I hate spiders. Now, this is tough because I also love camping. All right, and not like the RV that's, that's glamping, glamour camping, right? My sister does that, right? I like to camp in a tent on the floor. I like to drink filtered water, eat dirt in my coffee, that kind of thing, right? So I like real camping, but there's a problem, and it's that uh, when you camp like that, you come across a lot of bugs and a lot of spiders, and that's a problem for me. So a couple years ago, I'm with some college buddies. We go on this annual trip up to the Boundary Waters. It's up near Canada, and it's great. It's an amazing wilderness area, and I'm sitting there one night on a rock just looking up at the sky. The Milky Way's out, clear skies. It's amazing. And my one friend, he's just goofing off, like, with his flashlight, like, shining me in the face and stuff. And then he goes, Andy, stop. Just get up. Just get up. And there's a moment where, like, people look at you weird, and they're, like, using this tone, and you just listen. You just obey. You comply. And so I get up, and he goes, look at that. And right next to where my head was is this, okay? This is about the size of my hand, okay? So, like, this, 
okay? And I was told last night by someone smart that this is a wolf spider and that would have killed me, okay? So I see this thing and I'm freaking out because that's where my head was and it's there and I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about it all night and I have a rule of thumb with spiders. If it's alive, it should be dead. That's my rule of thumb with spiders. So, and we couldn't even kill this thing. Like it ran into the water and like it's breathing underwater. It's just gross, right? So horrible creation. Um, so that night I'm trying to fall asleep. I'm thinking about this, this thing and I can't sleep and my friend Chad makes it worse. He goes, hey Andy, did you check your sleeping bag for spiders? So I immediately get out of my sleeping bag and set it on fire just in case just in case, and I actually let Chad on fire too, just in case there was a spider near him. Um, no, I didn't, he's, he's fine. But spiders, ah, hate them, hate them. Another thing I used to be afraid of, but now I'm not as afraid of, uh, is public speaking, all right? A lot of people think that's surprising that I used to be terrified of getting up in front of a group of people and speaking, but honestly, terrified me, just like eating Tums all day, freaking out, right, sweating. I hated it. Are anyone the same? Is anyone like afraid of public speaking? Like you're afraid to hold your hand up that you're like that afraid. There's some of you. Okay, some of you. Could we get them a microphone? I have some personal questions I want to ask them. No, no. Okay. Well, do you know that uh, in some surveys, it actually, that people are more afraid of public speaking than death? Do you know that? Like Jerry Seinfeld used to joke about this. He'd say, this means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than given the eulogy, <laughs> right? Terrified of public speaking. And, you know, when we have fears like this, public speaking, <coughs> excuse me, what are we told to do? Face our fears, right? Just face it head on. Get yourself out there, experience what it's like, and you'll get over your fears. And this happened to me with public speaking. I was one time just terrified, and then I kind of put myself out there where I had to get over it. In college, I was in some organizations, and we had to give presentations to faculty, to alumni. Freaked out about it, right? But I went through it, and I experienced it, and I, and I started to feel more comfortable. I was a banquet manager for a while, and I had to do this really interesting thing. I had to introduce the bride and groom to the reception, to a room full of all these people. And I'm always freaking out, like, what if I say their name wrong? And, and the mother-in-law comes at me with a steak knife and just like, I ruined everything and kills me, right? Mother-in-law, spiders, they're the same thing to me. Um, man, I'm terrified because I'm thinking, what if I mess it up? I ruin their, their day. No one wants to ruin a wedding day, right? But you know what? I did it. And I got over that fear and I, I got more comfortable. After college, I started doing improv, improv acting, improv comedy stuff. And talk about scared. You're going on stage. You have no idea what you're going to say for the next like hour. And people assume you're going to be funny. Like that's scary. But went through that, got more comfortable, and now, now I'm at a point where it's like, you know, I'm really not that, that afraid because really I've just gotten used to the idea that you're going to go on and people are going to judge you and not like you. And it's okay. So, um, so you face your fears. I'm sorry. Uh, you face your fears. You get over it. You, you realize the things you were worried about, they're not that big of a deal. The things that you thought would happen, they might happen, but they probably won't. And you get over it. And you move on. And when it comes to a lot of fears, that's what we do. We're told to face our fears. But today, we're talking about a fear that we can't really face and experience and get over it and get better at dealing with. Because we're talking about death. We're talking about the fear of dying. I'm afraid of death. And 
We've talked about common fears so far, fears that a lot of us might have, right? Like uh, this, this worry of, am I letting God down? Am I a huge disappointment to God? Last week we talked about uh, the fear of failing as a parent, right? And this week we're looking at the fear of death. And if I, I think if we're honest, we probably all thought about death, right? When you're young, you're kind of invincible. You have this attitude like nothing can hurt you. Um, and then you, you experience death for the first time. Maybe a loved one or, or someone gets really sick or whatever. And as we go through life, we start to encounter it more. And we, we know people who die. We know people who go through serious illnesses. We start to maybe go through some of that stuff. And it becomes something that's on our mind more and more. And we're worried and we're encountering death. And then we see that Doomsday Prepper episode. And now we get, need to buy beans and bury weapons in our yard. It's, we're, it's fear everywhere, right? We're so afraid. For many of us, fear of death is on our mind. It's something we've thought about. It's something we've been close to, experienced, felt the effects of. And maybe we're not even that comfortable talking about it. Like, I doubt any of you came in here and you, like, looked at your program. You're like, do you see this? Death? Oh, I can't wait. Right? I doubt that happened. Right? I doubt you're all like, mm, I can't wait to hear what Andy has to say about death. I should have brought my friend here. Right? My friend is reckless. He doesn't wear a seatbelt. He drinks tap water from Waukesha. He even eats GMOs. He needs to be here today. Right? Like, no one's, no one's super excited about this. But... My, my goal today is not to make you more afraid of death. It's also not to try to get you to just be like, ah, don't worry about it. Eh, it's fine, right? That's not my goal either. Because the last time I checked, um, the death rate is 100%, right? Like I Googled it this morning. It's still that. It's still 100%. I checked with Ben. He's like, yes, it's 100%. We're all going to die. Amen. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be awkward. Um, whether we like to admit it or not, uh, death is the one thing. It kind of levels the playing field, doesn't it? No matter who you are, what background you come from, what country you live in, how much money you make, whatever it is, this is the one thing we all have to experience. We're all going to encounter. And it creates a lot of fear. For some people, it's the fear of the unknown. Is it, what, what's going to happen when this happens to me? What happens after? And they don't have answers for that, and they're uncomfortable. For a lot of us, it's the fear of missing out. It's this idea that, you know, it's going to cut my life short, and I'm going to miss out on things, and I've got to get all these, these things on my bucket list done before my end comes, right? And we're afraid that we're going to get cut short. And we have all these fears, and because we're afraid of this, we're afraid of so many other things. We're afraid of harm. We're afraid of what could happen to us. And so... If we can figure out this one fear and how to be comfortable with this, that the fact that we are all one day going to die, if we can face that and get more comfortable with that, so many other fears in our life will fade away and change. So my goal today is to walk out of here not more afraid, not to like scare you. Uh, it's also not to help you forget the fact that this is going to happen. Rather, I want to hit in the middle and I want you to walk out of here with more faith knowing that one day we're all going to die. So if there's a common thread that's been woven through this series, it's that when, when our fear is high, it's because our faith is low. But when our faith is high, our fear is low. And so the more we believe and we trust in Jesus, the more faith we have, the less fear affects us, the less it guides our lives, the less it directs our decision making, and the more we can live the life that God has called us to live. And we see this play out in Scripture. 
So if you're someone and you're kind of skeptical of Scripture, you're not really sure about following Jesus, I think this is the perfect weekend for you because you're going to hear and, and learn what it means when we talk about following Jesus, right? And if you are someone who is a follower of Jesus but you're still full of fear, maybe worried about this topic of death, I think this is going to help you because we're going to look at an unlikely source today to see how we can move from fear to faith. And we're going to look at Jesus' followers, his disciples. Now, Jesus' disciples... You know, they spent the better part of three years with Jesus, living with him, eating, traveling, soaking in his teaching. They were just always with Jesus, right? And these are guys who lived, up in, lived in a society where they witnessed death all the time. For us, it's like, oh, that's something that happens when, like, you get older or that's something that happens to other people, not me. But for them, it was any day now. Any day it could happen to them. Right? Diseases wiped out populations. Roman officials where they lived, they, they lived in Rome. Romans were killing people all the time. Right? Crucifixions were like a daily thing in Rome. Uh, religious leaders could have you executed. It, death was just part of their everyday life. It was always there. And they start following Jesus. And Jesus is like this magnet for controversy. He's saying these things. A lot of people are starting to follow him. His crowds are really big, but a lot of people start hating him. And it's clear, if you, if you look at the Gospels, a lot of people wanted him dead because of what he was saying. So he's this magnet for controversy. They're with him all the time. They're closely associated with him. So they had to be terrified for their lives. And we see this play out. We see it when Jesus is arrested. They scatter. When he, when he dies, they go into hiding. They're full of fear. These guys, even though they spent their lives with Jesus, were afraid of death. They're afraid of death, right? But something happens that transforms these guys. And what we see is that they become something different. They, they were guys who lived full of fear, but then they become guys who live full of faith. Something transformed them. And we know that because of history. Historians will tell us that these guys who followed Jesus, they all ended uh, with horrible deaths. They, they, because of their faith, they faced these horrible deaths. Peter, we know that Peter was crucified just like Jesus. He didn't feel worthy of it, so he was crucified upside down. Right? Andrew, Peter's brother, they tied him to a cross. They didn't even nail him to a cross. They just tied him there and left him to die and starve to death. John... He, he, they tried to kill him by boiling him alive, but that didn't work. So then they banished him to an island to just live out the rest of his days all alone. Bartholomew, he was skinned alive and beheaded. Stephen was stoned to death. He was killed by having rocks hurled at him. These are not like good stories. These aren't like fun things to think about. But if they were once cowards, scared, for their lives, fear of death, all this stuff. And they became these guys who just embraced these horrible deaths and just took it like men. Shouldn't we look and be like, well, what happened? What, what changed? What transformed them? What happened in their life? And what needs to happen in our lives? All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 10. And this is page 681 in the Bibles around you in the chair backs. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we always encourage people, take that, make it yours. It's great to, you know, read the Bible on your phone or an iPad or something. But it's also good to have one and page through it and learn how to navigate it and see, see the verses on the page in context. So if you don't have one, take it. Matthew 10. Um, and this is, Matthew is a gospel account, all right? So it's kind of like a biography of Jesus' life. And it was written by Matthew. And he's one of Jesus' followers. 
And in Matthew 10, we get to this point where Jesus is going to send his followers out. He's going to send them out to start sharing the good news. Who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's going to do. This is a risky mission because he's sending them out into a world that a lot of people don't like Jesus, right? So he's, he's got to prep them. He's got to give them a little bit of a pep talk before they head out and do this risky mission, all right? So here's what he says to them in Matthew 10, 22. He says, you will be hated by everyone because of me. You might be arrested. You might be beat. You might be flogged. You might be whipped. They may even kill you. Now, what kind of pep talk is this, Jesus, right? Like, hello, right? This isn't very motivational. It's not supposed to be. His goal is to prepare them for what lies ahead, right? What's inevitable? That by doing this and living out and fulfilling this mission, it's going to cost them something right? Death. And he's trying to give them perspective about what lies ahead. And he gets to this point where he kind of gives us uh, his teaching on death. Here's what he says. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Right? He makes a distinction here. And this is important. He says, you're not just a physical body. You are a soul, right? You're a soul in a body. That body you have, it can be harmed. It can die. It's temporary. It's fragile. But don't be afraid of people who can hurt it. Don't be afraid of people who can hurt your physical body and kill it. And for these guys, it really is those people who can hurt it. It's the Romans. It's other people from other countries. It's the religious leader. It's all these people that probably wanted to harm them, right? So for them, it's those people. For us, it's what can harm our body. It's diseases. It's accidents. It's cancer. It's all these things that we're so terrified about. Right? We're always worried about what can harm our body. That's why we take fish oil and garlic and things we can't pronounce, right? I do it. I take a chromium something. I don't know. It's good for my knees, I guess. Um, but anyway, we take this stuff because we're so afraid of what can harm us, right? But Jesus says, don't worry about it. He doesn't say don't care. He says, don't worry. Yes, make wise decisions. Yes, make uh, steward your health, right? Care about your health. But the things that can hurt your physical body, that can't control your life. You shouldn't be afraid of that. Because here's the deal. There's another part of you that is actually you, and it goes on forever, and it's more important, and it's your soul. And they can't harm it. There's this popular saying, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. And I think that gets at the point of Jesus' teaching. We are so much more than this. We're a soul. We're something else. And you can't fear what's going to harm this. You can't fear what's going to kill this. Because someday, this is going to end. Someday, the heart's going to stop. But there's a part of you that's going to keep on going. So don't fear people that can, can hurt that part of you. Rather, and listen to this. He takes it further and he gives us perspective. He says, rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So first, Jesus is prepping us to go out and do this dangerous mission. We're waiting for a pep talk, and he says, you're going to die. All right, you're, they're going to hate you. Okay, but then he gives us some perspective. He says, but don't worry about it because there's a side of you that's temporary. There's a side of you that's fragile, and they can harm it, but they can't touch this other part of you, the real you, the soul. Awesome. But then he says, but be afraid because there is someone who can have control over both your body and your soul. Who do we typically think that is? Typically, I think people, people would read that and they would think, oh, that's the devil, that's Satan. 
but it's not. He doesn't have power over our, our life, our soul. He can't create. He can't take life. There's a book in the Bible, Job, and, and what we see in Job is that he is limited. He only can do what God allows him to do. So the one here that Jesus is talking about is actually God. Be afraid of God. Right? And when he says be afraid, he's not talking about like worry or fear or terrified or anything like that. What he's really talking about is have respect, have reverence, have awe for your creator. You want to be concerned about your future, your well-being, your life? Then be concerned with God. Start there, right? You only need to concern yourself with God, your creator, your heavenly father. He is all that matters when it comes to your life and your future. So he tells them this and he gives them this teaching and they go out and they are never afraid again, right? Wrong. They still live in fear. It's interesting because it wasn't Jesus' teaching that transformed these guys, right? And he's a good teacher. He's the best teacher ever. And literally 124 times he's like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And what happens? They're all afraid. They're all terrified. And at the end of, their, of his life, they're still afraid. He's arrested. They split. He dies. They go into hiding. They're scared. So it wasn't his teaching. It wasn't his perspective on death, even though it's important. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to have a perspective of death. That's important. But it does not eliminate our fears. We need more. Fast forward, and what we see is this really important moment with Jesus and his followers. And it's an important moment because they, they state who he is. And he's sitting around and they go, hey, who do, who do people say I am? Who do people think that I am? And so they throw out answers like John the Baptist, Elijah, a prophet. Right? But Matthew 16, here's what happens. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, but what about you? Right? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is big. This is a big declaration. And Jesus responds with approval. And he gives Peter the data boy. And he's like, you're absolutely right. I am. I'm the son of God. And guess what? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Right? But I'm going to come back. Here's how Matthew puts it in 1621. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And you know what? He makes this promise. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. And they're never afraid again. Wrong. They're still afraid. He gives them this perspective about death. He teaches on it. He gives them this promise that he too is going to face death, but he's going to win, and they're still afraid. They're still afraid. We know that because he's arrested, and they hide, and there's only one of them that shows up for his, for his crucifixion. It's John. That's it. Everyone else split. They're nowhere to be found until something happens, and it changes all of them. It changes all of them. Right? Something that they, they now live their lives. They used to be full of fear, but now they are fearless. They are full of faith. They will do anything for Jesus. What happened? What happened was they saw the risen Christ. They saw Jesus who said, you know what, I'm going to die. And they took him and they arrested him and they beat him and they put him on a cross and they, they buried him and he is dead. And three days later, he's standing there before them alive. Changed everything. Changed everything. Right? 
What happened that transformed these dis- disciples? Three things. First, they saw Jesus alive. They saw. When Jesus rose and appeared to them, they didn't learn something. They witnessed something. They saw something. They saw this guy beats death. This guy is victorious over death. He conquered death. That's what they saw. The one thing that they're all afraid of, death, this guy beat it. That's what they saw. And this is huge because no one had ever done that before. No one had ever been like, yeah, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back, so don't worry about it, and then actually pull it off. He pulled it off, which means this guy, whoa, this guy beats death? Who does that? Nobody except for Jesus. So they saw the risen Christ bloom away. He is the one person that has been there, done that, literally lived to tell about it. Right? Second, they believed. Now, when I say the disciples believed, I don't mean for the first time. Right? It's clear, you, you look at the Gospels and there's this affirmation, they believe in Jesus, they believe in Jesus, but they didn't believe in the full picture yet. They didn't know the full picture yet. When Jesus is arrested and crucified and buried, I guarantee they start doubting what they had believed. They start questioning, was he really Christ? Was he really son of God? I mean, he's dead now. Is, is he, was he for real? Was he, what happened? But then they see him alive. And what they believe in is the full the full picture, the risen Christ, right? And that's huge. That's what they believed in. That's what we need to believe in. A lot of people have a lot of different views about Jesus. Good moral teacher, nice guy, influential leader, historical figure, but all of those, even though those sound nice and important, we would love it if someone called us that, right? For Jesus, it falls short of who he really was. C.S. Lewis liked to say, you either believe Jesus is Lord, liar, or lunatic. Lord, liar, or lunatic, right? Because Jesus affirmed that he was God, and he said, you know what, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back from the death. If he didn't, then he was a liar, right? Or, or he thought he really would come back to, from the dead, but he didn't. That means he was a little bit crazy. Or he really did. In that case, he's Lord. You see, you can't have a Jesus who's just a good teacher, just a moral guy, because if you believe he's just those things and not God, you're calling him a liar or you're calling him crazy. The only Jesus worth believing in is a Jesus who died, came back, and is Lord. That's it. That's the only Jesus worth believing in, and it's the Jesus they believed in. It's the Jesus we need to believe in. Because it changes everything, right? So they saw Jesus. They saw the full picture. They believed in him. And then finally they received from him. Before Jesus uh, went to the cross, there's this moment where he's like, you know what? I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to be gone. But I'm going to send you a helper. And this helper is the Holy Spirit. And we actually see this whole thing play out in the book of Acts. Luke, another one of the gospel writers, he wrote a gospel about Jesus. He also wrote a follow-up. It's called the book of Acts, and it's about the the life of the disciples and how they became apostles and how the church spread. And in it, we see this moment where they received the helper. They believed and they received, and ever since then, everyone who has ever believed in Jesus receives this helper, receives the Holy Spirit. And I think that's important because we often forget that God's Spirit is living in us when we believe in Jesus. He is in us right now. Why else? That's also important because the Spirit is the power that rose Jesus from the dead, which means the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. It's in us. 
right? Listen to this verse. Paul wrote this to Rome. He said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is huge. This is a game changer, right? The spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead is in you, which means that his resurrection is our future, right? Yeah, we will die, but it's not the end of us. Right? There's, a, there's something coming. There's a promise. There's a resurrection. And we get it. We will be victorious over death too. That's amazing. They saw, they believed, they received, and they were never the same. And we can be different too. Right? They became new men. They were no longer controlled by fear, no longer controlled by circumstances and, and Romans and officials and all these things. Now they were controlled by one thing, their fear of God their love of God, their faith in Jesus, the spirit guiding them, completely different, completely different. Our fears should be replaced with the same faith. We need the same faith. Our fear of the unknown, you know, can haunt so many people. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? It needs to be replaced with faith in our future, right? We know that because of Jesus, his resurrection is our future, His resurrection is our future. The same life-giving spirit that was in him is in you. Believe it. Believe it. The fear of missing out, this this worry that my life's going to be cut short, I'm never going to do anything important, all this stuff could happen to me. It gets replaced with faith and you live on purpose. Right? If we read the book of Acts, what we see is this group of guys, once they're transformed, so are their lives. They no longer live lives for themselves. They're now Everything is lived for Jesus. Everything, right? They believe in him. They receive his spirit. They live these new lives and their lives are no longer about him. I'm sorry, they're no longer about them. It's about him, right? It's not about us. And as long as we make our lives about him, our lives are lived to the fullest. That's what we see. doesn't matter how short your life is. If your life is lived for Jesus, it matters. And it's fulfilling, And I think we see this attitude summed up in one really big verse that Paul wrote. Paul is, you got to understand, he's sitting in a jail cell. He's writing to this book in in Philippi, or writing to this church in Philippi. And he says this, this line, and it's huge, and it's next level. And it shows what's possible with faith. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's like next level. Like we don't think that, no one wakes up saying that, right? This is big. So many of us, we live our lives the opposite. To live is me, to die is loss. That guides us, doesn't it? Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, new way, right? Here's how you're going to live. You're not going to live worried about death. You're not going to be afraid all the time. You're now going to live in spite of it, right? And you are going to live a life to the fullest by making your lives about him, his mission, his cause, all about him. To live is Christ. And we're going to live knowing, believing that his future, his resurrection is our future now. We do not end. There is a time when one day, you know what, our bodies will die, but we will keep on going and we will someday get a new one. And that's awesome, right? It is not the end of you. You will live forever. And because of Jesus, you can live forever with him. To die is gain. That's what we gain. To live as Christ, to die as gain. This is what's possible through faith. 
Probably not there yet, but it's possible if we believe and we trust and we surrender. And I just want to say, if you don't believe in Jesus, you can. Like, there's no standard you have to hit. There's no, like, step process you have to go through before you're good enough to follow Jesus. You don't have to clean up your life. All you have to do is just accept the offer that is before you today. Right? Just accept what's before you today. God loves you. It's why he sent Jesus down to earth. He came and he lived this perfect life. Because you and I, we can't do it. We can't live this perfect life. Right? And he went to the cross because we can't live that perfect life. We live lives that the Bible calls sinful. We turned away from God. We basically want to be our own gods. That's it, right? And there's a consequence for that. It's separation from our creator. There's a punishment for it. But when Jesus went to the cross, he took the punishment. He took our sin. We're forgiven. The separation is gone. And now you and God can be good. You can be on good terms with God. All the separation is gone. Your sin is forgiven. And Jesus died and he rose from the dead, promising new life. Because one day this body is going to quit, but there is life ahead for me. Right? That is the offer on the table for you, for all of us here. Do you want to live with shame? Do you want to live with guilt? Do you want to live in fear? Or do you want to experience life for the first time ever? And turn to Jesus, believe in him, and follow him. That is is the offer on the table. And for everyone here that follows Jesus, I just want to remind you of one thing as we close out, all right? There's one person in all of human history who defeated death, who died, who came back, and is living to this day, and his name is Jesus Christ. Go, live a life not full of fear in something that Jesus has already conquered, but a life full of faith, in Jesus, who conquered death and defeated it. His spirit is in you. His resurrection is your future. Follow him. Have faith in him, not in something that he beat. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you <clears throat> for just who you are, that you're, you're a God, but you're also a father. You're relatable. You love us. Um, you're not disappointed in us. You're not against us. You sent Jesus for us because you want us. Help us believe that. It's so hard to believe some days when we honestly look at ourselves and we think, how could God love us? Help us remember the cross. This tangible evidence that you really do love us. Um, help us believe in him, in his resurrection, that you are living in us. Spirit, guide us because we're, we're, we forget, we're weak. Um, just guide us and remind us that we have this life living in us, making us alive, and help us just all live our lives uh, for you. We thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and your love, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. So each week, uh, we remember what Jesus did uh, on the cross through communion. Uh, we take the bread, and that represents his body, uh, that it absorbed our sin, and we take the juice that represents his blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. And what we do is uh, we're going to pass that around, take it, uh, and take it in. And by taking it in, you're remembering that by Jesus giving his life, you get to experience eternal life. So let's do that together.